Hey, Leadheads, Left Hand here with Talking Lead. Just wanted to give you a quick little show note. The audio starts off a little rough on this, but after the first 15, 20 minutes, it gets a lot better. Hang in there with it. You definitely want to listen to this show. It's chock full of great information and uh, very entertaining with the slew of guests that we have on. So I hope all you Leadheads have a Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll be back the first of the year. Enjoy the show. Ho, ho, and Merry Christmas. We are back with the Nordic Components Talking Lead podcast. This is episode 182, and we've got a crazy show for you today. Uh, we're hoping it's going to go good. We've probably got about 30,000 people on the line with us. Uh, but as we alluded to uh, in last episode, uh, Curtis and I, we are going to have uh, Mikey Hartman, CEO uh, and founder of Hartman Optics and uh, CEO of CAA uh, and also former lieutenant colonel of the IDF on with us to talk about the course that we went through uh, last week. And we've got a lot of the other participants uh, here with us, too, to talk about it. So without further ado, we're going to get this show on the road. And uh, Mikey, no stranger to talking lead. Welcome in, buddy. Good to be here. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, man. So we had uh, quite the week last week. Uh, it's a kind of a, a one of a kind, first time experience for you guys putting this course on. Uh, before we get into uh, introducing everybody who's on the line with us, uh, what you talk a little bit about how you came to the decision to do this course? Well, we were looking for a kind of a out of the box idea of how can we show our new product line but not be like all the rest of the companies that bring in the media guys and, you know, pick up something from a table, let them shoot a few shots and, and then they go on from there and maybe give them out a little hat or something. We wanted to do it differently. And, and our unique knowledge is basically is, you know, how we built the Israeli doctrine and how to shoot. So we tried to combine those two ideas on, on one hand, teaching you guys about the products, the Micaroni, the Micaroni stabilizer, the MH1, the Zeus shooting mattress. But on the other hand, and even more so, trying to teach you guys a different angle that you will never get from anywhere else in the world. So the objective was to try to teach you guys how to teach how to shoot like the IDF does and show you our new stuff with the sitting position and the prone position and, and show you guys stuff that we do differently than the American uh, military. And for us, it, you know, it was the first time, but it was, you guys were great and you guys wanted to learn shit and you guys wanted to, you didn't, there was no arguments there. No one's coming at me. No, we do it differently. We think we should do it this way. Everyone was very much open to hear. They didn't have to agree with everything, but they were, you know, everyone did what we told them to do. And, and we worked you guys' asses off. You know, you, you guys got up early. You went, to, you guys in six in the morning were in breakfast already and we were shooting night shoots every night. So, uh, you guys worked your asses off, and that's why we put some food in the refrigerator, some beers in there, and some chips. So you guys get home to the rooms, and you're tired. So at least uh, you open up the refrigerator, you got some fun stuff in there. 
So uh, we tried dealing with the logistics and, and the professionalism and uh, teaching you guys about the IDF and, and trying to show you guys a different view on how we do things. So uh, from our point, we had an awesome time. We, uh, you guys were awesome. You guys shoot very well. Uh, we enjoyed everybody. You know, it was just uh, from A to Z, it was just awesome. Good deal. Uh, I mean, you guys did an excellent job putting it on, and we're going to get everybody's feedback uh, on the course here coming up. So what I'd like to do now is go around the table here and uh, one by one have uh, each of our participants introduce themselves. And uh, we'll start with, I think David is on with us too. David Fortier? You there, David? Hey, yes, I am. Hey, I'm David Fortier. Um, I guess I'm an old school print guy uh, and TV. Um, best known, I guess, for Shotgun News and uh, currently Firearms News. And I edit a couple of uh, the titles for Outdoor Sportsman's Group. Very cool. And uh, Kevin Fluffy Landers. Yeah, man. Hey, guys. I'm uh, Kevin Landers, also wonderfully known as the Fluffy Gun Guy. Um, I run gear and gun reviews on YouTube, so check us out there. And uh, Timothy Young. Hi, uh, Timothy Yans. I'm, uh, I'm, a, I run my own website called, uh, gunsandtech.com. And, uh, I also write for the print site, uh, the Firearm News, Gun World Magazines. And, uh, um, plus a couple other things. I have, uh, more of a academic backgrounds than, um, just a regular gun guy. So. Cool. And, and if you guys would, if you've got uh, military experience, please uh, state that too. I know uh, Kevin Landers does, and I know you do too, Timothy. So, uh, oh, yeah, uh, I'm prior. Um, I was prior infantry, um, nine years, multiple combat tours. Uh, I'm a, a prior Marine Corps um, combat engineer. Uh, Tag Daddy. Well, I have no military experience. I'm the average everyday dad. I host uh, Gun News Weekly and I have a YouTube channel for Kevin the Tech Daddy. Very good. Andre. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, buddy. Um, well, I tell you, um, I've had a lot of experience uh, writing for Harris Publications before they folded, unfortunately. Uh, and now, and the uh, big three East media editor and working with uh, Crazy Jay Johnson and Fortier uh, up in Daytona beach. And I had a blast at this event. I got to tell you, incredible event. And I want to go back to, uh, 48, uh, real quick. You've got some, um, combat journalism experience, correct? Uh, yes, I, uh, I embedded with a cavalry unit, uh, the 37th cavalry, actually Custer's old unit, um, in 2007 during the surge and was with them in, uh, Atomia. And the reason, one of the reasons why I actually went in with that particular unit was I'd been a civilian marksmanship trainer with them. I'd been teaching them carbine and we taught them a designated marksman course. And they actually invited me to, to go to Iraq when they redeployed in 2007. And there was, at the time, there was so much BS in the, you know, in the news about what was actually going on over there. I thought it'd be valuable to go over there and firsthand report on what I saw rather than the, the leftist liberal, you know, media slant. So. Right. Good deal. All right. So now let's get to, uh, Jim. 
I'm a, uh, I guess I, I was an editor for Guns.com. I, uh, I've written for Outdoor Sportsman's Group. I've written for um, uh, Harris before it folded, and then um, FW Media, and I believe one other, but I can't recall. And I've currently got a, uh, I've got a YouTube channel, uh, Burst Review, which is uh, B-U-R-S-T-R-E-V-I-E-W, on YouTube. Uh, aside from that, uh, no military experience other than a uh, spaceship door gunner, so none. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, and, of course, the Spectre, Curtis, is here with us. Yo, what's up, everybody? Uh, you know, I've been on the last several shows, so they don't need to hear anything else about me. But uh, They know you. you know, they, they know me. Uh, you know, VSO Media, uh, editor of VSO Gun Channel. So check us out on YouTube, Full 30, and Facebook. And uh, he was on last week's episode, 181. Make sure you check that out. We talked about some uh, SBR stuff that actually will apply to some things that we're talking about today. Uh, and then, um, are there any other journalists or writers that are here with us that I've missed? That's everybody. Okay, now let's get to, to Heim. Heim was one of the instructors. And uh, you're coming, are you in Israel? Where are you at? Yeah, yeah I'm uh, currently based in Israel. Well, all my life, uh, I used to be living in Jerusalem where uh, I managed the uh, Jerusalem IPSC uh, uh, club for uh, about five years. I used to be Israel's IPSC champion twice in the modified division. I, I'm, I'm a trainer, I'm an instructor, farms instructor uh, for um, about 20 years. Gun enthusiasm. I like the I like the shooting. I like the thrill about it. I like making friends, as I did in uh, this uh, great course. I, I, as a matter of fact, I made uh, I made very good friends in this course. Tim, Tech Daddy, did, yeah. all the good guys. Yeah, absolutely. Tech Daddy finally has a friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, nice he's, he's, he lives in Israel. I can make up stories about him all the time, and no one can fact check. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right, Mikey, good. Uh, Mikey, is there anyone else there with you? Yeah, with, with me, we Robert. have Robert and Dan. They were the guys that did a lot of the hard work behind the scenes before and during, you know, the buses and the, the rooms and the presents and getting those bags that, I don't know if Curtis stole one of the bags. Who stole one of the extra bags? One of you guys stole one of the bags. I know you did. Yeah, you snooze, you lose. Uh, we're not going to, I don't know what, we're not going to go there. <laughs> we're not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, and we can talk about the narrow pants if you want, Curtis. In any case, uh, <laughs> I, I learned more about narrow pants in the last 48 hours than I've ever known. In my, I, I don't even want to know more about narrow pants. Um, you ever but, wanted to know. I, I, I yeah. busted my pant doing the one at the drill that go from standing. <laughs> so I took the extra pants. Because you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Curtis hey, 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 hey. Curtis known just told me I need a bug. Two size, two <laughs> Oh my God. In any case, I want to, I want to say just one thing. Um, we, we didn't want to do this course for you guys to have fun. You know, that wasn't the objective. And that's why we worked you guys so hard. I think there are certain times that people bring guys to courses and they show them a good time and they're drinking and they're, I don't know, not working too hard. That wasn't anywhere on the list of objectives when I had this idea about three months ago. This is uh this was one one purpose only to teach you guys how to teach how to shoot and to teach you about the microoni the microoni stabilizer the MH1 and, and the Zeus. Now there's always a problem as a 
the guy that's supposed to be put this together, which I had a great team to do this. So, you know, if I would have put you guys in the kill house all week, you guys would have had a great time. But that's totally against what I'm trying to do. I had no, no objective in the list for you guys to have a good time. And the objective was one, to teach you guys, to give you guys knowledge that no one else can give you guys. That was the idea of our team to do that. When you do a course like that, there's a trade-off. Because I'm not, you know, by working you guys harder, there was a fear on our side that it may be too hard for you guys, that you guys may not, uh, you know, you may want to take it a little bit easier. So we stuffed uh, a few week course into three days and it was intensive for everybody. We, we were all sore, we're all bruised, we were all tired. Uh, it takes some time to get this stuff to, to go into your brain, what you went through. But every little nuance between every single maneuver that we did, we would talk to you guys, what you did right, what you did wrong, how to fix it. Our objective was one, to give you guys the, um, the most knowledge that we could possibly give to you. And then you have to play with the classroom and the range. How much classroom do you do? How much range do you do? There's never a perfect answer for any of these. So what we tried to do was to give you maximum information. But on the other hand, have you guys in the range enough to see that the information works. You know, you guys learned a totally new prone position. You guys learned a totally new sitting position. Even the standing and kneeling were a bit different than you guys teach. So for our point, if there was that was the goal. You guys now know stuff that no one else in America knows. You guys now have a different perspective on how, how we do things in the IDF. So that was our goal. And uh, we could have made it more fun for you guys, but there was no, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed yourself, but that was not the goal. The goal was for be, you guys to learn. It might be good to let everybody know exactly how many people you train in your lifetime because you, you basically wrote the whole syllabus for the IDF. How many thousands of trailers, uh, soldiers have you trained? Well, I was given very, very few gifts from God. And if you ask uh, David Fortier, he'll tell you, Marty also knows. I, I was given very few gifts, but uh, God gave me one thing. He let me shoot and he let me teach how to shoot. Those were basically my, my gifts. So I had the honor of writing the Israeli doctrine on how to shoot a gun. I did that for, I commanded a school that I established for about 17 years. So I was able to train uh, over 500,000 soldiers and and a few thousand U.S. troops as well before they would go out to Iraq. They would stay at our base in Adam base in the middle of Israel between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. We would train them. They would come. They would go. They would come back. Lessons learned. So uh, that's basically what I did my entire adult life was, you know, think of an idea. And, and the next day it was law in Israel. We don't have that all bureaucratic stuff that you guys have. So every time someone's in combat in Israel, it can happen obviously every day we learn from those mistakes and we are able to transfer that into law into our doctrine you know the day later maybe 48 hours later so the turnaround is incredibly quick um and that's one of our advantages but we're a small army so that's we can do that only because we're small we could never be able to do that if we were your size military so i had the honor of uh training a lot of guys it's basically what i know um, and, uh, and I enjoyed teaching you guys what I know, you know, and the instructors teaching you guys what, you know, we sat with the instructors a lot of hours trying to get them on the same wavelength. It's not easy. We had some Americans in there. We had some Israelis in there from different backgrounds and we tried to get everyone on the same length. But what was good about that is everyone's different. So everyone got some more knowledge to you guys. You know, every guy from his experience was giving you guys stuff, Chaim and Iran and Aaron and Garrett. So you guys were all, um, hearing stuff from all these different instructors and not just for me. So this way you got a lot more knowledge than if it was just point. me teaching. Sorry to interrupt, Mike, but a key point there too is that you know, these guys weren't salesmen. They were really, I mean, these were trainers. 
Uh, talk a little bit about the other trainers that were there uh, and their background real quick. Well, we'll start with Chaim just gave you his background. You know, Chaim is, uh, is a very seriously knowledgeable person. There are things that I ask Chaim when I don't know stuff. So Chaim knows shit that I don't know. So uh, he's very professional in that, and he's also a, a great pistol shooter. Aaron, who, uh, Iran, who is not on the line with us, he's an anti-terror uh, teacher as well. In, in Israel, we have a, a school that teaches um, anti-terror stuff. You know, how to go into a room, how to clean a room, how to get off a roof into windows. And that's what was Iran's specialty. So he brought that. And then we had Garrett, who was in a special forces unit in the IDF. We, we call it uh, Devan. And, um, and he is a, a unique guy because he's an American who went to Israel as I did to join the army. He just didn't stay 22 years in the army. He did his few years and uh, three years and went back. And now he's implementing that and he does training courses here in America. By the way, coincidentally, he just moved to Israel yesterday. <laughs> so he, he now lives in Israel. I got him, I went one way, he went the other. And we had Aaron, who was a, a partner of Garrett that they work a lot together, who's a, an ex Green Beret, if I'm not mistaken, special forces guy. And he, you know, had no idea what the IDF does. So we sat with him a long time trying to explain how we do it. And he's a, a very smart guy, very talented guy. And he was able to pick it up pretty fast. And, uh, and I think each one of those four guys brought their special uh, experience to the table. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, that, you know, they just added a whole other dimension that, you know, a lot of us aren't used to. That's why I wanted the other guys to give their background uh, just, just to get their take on the IDF way versus the way that they were trained in our, in our U.S. military. And uh, let's start with, is John with us? John Peterson, was he here? John's not here. Okay. Let's start with, uh, who wants to go first? Timothy, you want to go first? Uh, sure. I'm actually, uh, have, have some training on the Israeli technique. I was a student of Garrett a long time ago. And I also took the um, IDF style course from another student of the Lieutenant Colonel. <laughs> uh, he, was, uh, he was a captain. Um, locally in the Las Vegas area. He's the one who trained, uh, trained all the security team for the big uh, gaming uh, corporations locally. So I have a chance to uh, attending one of his courses. Very, very interesting how they do uh, vehicle operations and stuff. And, um, you know, with my background, I have a Marine Corps background a long time ago. So the technique is quite different. And also that... Um, it's it's uh so but i come in a course with an open mind so just uh you know learn something different it's not necessary that um i would use every day but it's it's just something um that i might i might need to use it when i need to use it <laughs> what uh what's one key point that you picked up that you may implement start implementing? actually actually i like the uh, i like how they do the shooting on the move uh techniques and of course uh what I what we did in in the training course is much uh, slower <laughs> compared to what they do, but of course they they have a, a, a three week course for a lot of practice, and due to the time constraint, we only have a couple of practice with that. And also um, on top of that, I'm not uh, very familiar with the weapon, so but I think I'm doing okay. So I actually uh, shot a lot better than I expected. For three days, I mean, you can't expect a whole lot. I mean, like you said, these guys go through a six-week uh, training course. All right, Fluffy. All right, so, um, yeah, my background is Army infantry. So it, it was it was very interesting to see, and I've been out of the Army for about two years now. Um, so I came out of, you know, where we were doing very specific training and, and marksmanship drills and stuff like that. 
to this type of course. And it was very interesting to see the differences. You know, it's the idea of being 45 off the gun versus being square with the gun and, and, and the training styles. And it's, it was very interesting to see, um, how the differences were. And the really nice thing that, that the guys did, the trainers and Mikey is they explained why they did it. It's one thing when you go into a course and they say, Hey, we want you to stand like this. And then there's no explanation why. Like I'm a very wide generated kind of guy where I want to know, okay, what's the reasoning behind why you sit off of a gun at 45 degrees? Well, it had to do with five points of contact on a firearm. So I, I have to say that the course was done very well. It was very, similar to how we teach in the, in the service where it's crawl, walk, run, where, you know, you start with a dry fire and you, you see it and you kind of slowly build into it. So, but overall, man, I'm, I'm taking that prone position because that prone position unsupported and having that fifth point of contact on a magwell on the magazine itself really locks you down into it. Andre, you've had a lot of experience with, uh, with our military. What, what's your take on it? Well, I've had no active duty experience, but, uh, and I was associated with the air force for a while, but I have a great golf swing as a result, but that's another story. Um, but, uh, what I've, uh, got with, uh, what Mikey was teaching was everything to do with, uh, the pro position. Like you mentioned, that was really interesting. It gave me a whole new different feeling of stability shooting from the pro position. And I'm sure we'll talk about the, uh, the math that he's developed, which is a phenomenal event. That's just a, a, a tremendous aid to uh, teaching somebody how to shoot prone. And then uh, when we're doing the uh, the CQB, the kill house, uh, working with Garrett on that, who is really a, a, a superb expert at CQB, uh, everything he said was a nugget. It really was. And then uh, one of the questions I ask him over there is, uh, what do you do when you when your carbine goes down? You don't have a sidearm. Well, you know, in the middle of that, he just he just said succinctly crowd my god i mean you go in advance to the bad guy beat the crap out of him so it's like yeah that's what you do so it was a, a lot of good takeaways and, and all the the uh the individual uh advice and asides and stories all helped and uh, mikey had a bunch of that i'm still chuckling about and uh so just the experience they showed there and then being able to compare and contrast from other training programs but like you said that everything that they did had a reason and it's, it's not from somebody's bright idea. Like oh, let's try this way. It's because, well, this worked in combat and this didn't work. And since this works in combat, let's do it this way, which makes a huge amount of sense. And that's one thing about with, uh, with what Mikey has done. He's taken years and years of actual operational experience and distilled it down to a course that's useful. And, uh, I was amazed how useful it was because I, I, I was, thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be another rehash of stuff I've seen a thousand times. No, this was something that was brand new, but experienced and really, really worthwhile. I was amazed. And then you know, later on, we start talking about the, the macaroni and, and using that. Uh, I was amazed about how well that, that, uh, that, that worked with the Glock. And one of the things we did was we shot the macaroni uh, using iron sights, and then we used just the regular Glock. And we had about a 50% betterment of our uh, our on target hits because of macaroni, which really helps a lot. And I do a lot of work with Glock as a lot of people might know. So uh, anything that makes a Glock shoot better, I'm all for. So it was, it was truly impressive. So I, I had a lot of takeaways from this. If I, if I may interject. Yeah. Yes. I, I totally agree with honor. This Jim. Uh, I liked how a lot of their methodologies were all like 
you know, data-driven, which is exactly how a product or, in this case, a methodology should evolve. It shouldn't be the, you know, a, a bunch of hearsay across, you know, six or seven high brass guys. It should be, you know, what happened from the ground level up. They said they recorded the, the, uh, the contact that the IDF soldiers had every single time and integrated that into what became a, like an infinitely adaptive combat methodology or combat, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, SOP basically. And I thought that was that was brilliant and showed just how agile their military can be. It's it's great to see them kind of a, adopt that same concept to uh, revolutionizing the use of a sidearm into something more like a PDW. In this case, the Roni. Very good. And that was Jim. How about you, Tag Daddy? Oh, I had a fantastic time. I um I have a unique take on it because unlike a lot of you, I've been shooting in some capacity most of my life as. As, as just a, again, an enthusiast, but really only gotten into the training thing over the last three years. And this was the, uh, this is the best overall class I think I've ever been to in terms of just everything. If you add it all up, the takeaways were multiple, but, uh, for, for everybody listening, I think the one thing that they could probably sit there and think about for a second is the fact that we were told this. And then as it happened, we understood it to be part of the class. And I think it's very unique to this class. Every single shot we took was accounted for. We would do a drill. We would then be asked, what do you think you did? Literally, you know, trying to figure out what did you hit and, and where's your group or what happened? How much does that add to every time you squeeze the trigger? Um, is my point. It was, it was pretty incredible. And every shot we took was accounted for, period. Um, I thought that was fantastic. And, and, uh, just to take kudos to the trainers once one more time. Hi, I'm, uh, He's, he's soft-spoken in groups, but man, when he was one-on-one, and, and Tim can, I'm sure, attest to this, and Tim sells himself short, too. And by the way, he was fantastic the whole week, but Haim was, was great as well. It was great that we all had a, a hands-on person, and then collectively, all of the instructors were interested in talking to you on off times, and then obviously, Mikey was overseeing and, and dictating pretty much all the stuff that was going on. It was just, it was next level. Yeah, absolutely. David got some unique experience that a lot of us don't have is you know you were actually embedded with the u.s army in iraq uh, what was your take on the, the course um well i've had a chance to actually to spend a little bit of time on the range with mikey before um in 2013 so i'd been given a little bit of a uh, a preview as far as cheater who, who he who he is and um you know how he thinks and his gift as far as instruction. And I've, I've had the chance to spend a lot of time on the rifle range with a lot of great shooters. Um, you know, I'm a competitor and Mikey definitely has a gift. Okay. He's got a gift as far as how he presents information and the way that he presents it in order for the student to digest it and to implement what he is being taught. And I think that's one of, uh, one of Mikey's greatest strengths, um, it's just his personality and who he is and how he comes across. Uh, the basic information was great. The prone position, the sitting position, the kneeling position are in some ways very, very traditional. Okay. There's only so many ways you can build a position. And I'm one of those weird guys that I've studied how the evolution of, we'll say, Russian Olympic shooting positions from the 40s, uh, or actually from the 50s. So it's interesting to see how they do things, uh, but more interesting to see why they do things. And I think that was one of the great things about this opportunity 
was to actually hear from the man himself as far as why they do these different things and, and the reasons that Americans may not think about. And I think that due to how they boil it down, how they make it uh, agriculturally simple, I do think that it has um, a lot of application for American shooters who are interested in either just being a better marksman or in um, self-protection. So, um, you know, very good takeaway. Um, also was very interested in the micro-roni. Uh, I've done a lot of research on the, uh, the combat application and performance of stock pistols, uh, C96 broom handles in World War One, and uh, used by the Nationalist Chinese, the Stetchkin high power. And it was really interesting to see how, you know, what happens when you take a Glock, you drop it in the Micaroni, and uh, suddenly it becomes a uh, useful PDW. And I think, um, well, I'm waiting for a stamp to come back in a Glock, and as soon as my stamp comes back, I'll buy one. So that, that's my attitude towards that. So overall, it was great having a chance to uh, train with Mikey again and to uh, to learn from him. And my big takeaway from it was, you know, the, the five points of contact. I think that uh, for uh, prone and kneeling, that was really, really useful. And uh, before we get to, to Curtis, um, Mikey, talk about the five points of contact real quick. Well, first off, again, my logic of the way the brain works and it's uh, – my whole thought process is if someone understands the why, it becomes so much easier to teach. So after most of my adult life doing that, I there's no other way to do it in my mind. And and that's why uh, I enjoy talking to you guys so much because you guys wanted to know why. You know, and um, I always say to the people that I teach, I command you in, in parentheses to ask me why. Don't do anything ever because I said to do it. You know, I was in charge of the entire IDF military. That's a whole bunch of people. And and I always said to them, never do it because you heard I said to do it. So my whole thought process was to try to teach you guys the why of everything, you know, so you understand the logic. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys picked that up because that was the most important thing. And I don't think there's any way else to teach. Regarding the five points of contact, when you hold a weapon, it really doesn't make a difference if you're in the standing, sitting, kneeling, or, or prone position. You have to lock the weapon. The weapon needs to be locked from right to left, from up and down, from back and forth, it all has to be locked. And the whole, the gun is not built for the person. Uh, one day they're gonna invent a gun that's made for our body. Right now it's not even close. So now what we're doing, we're having to adapt ourselves to a weapon and it's not a normal thing, right? Because our body's not straight. We, we don't, we, we're now trying to make ourselves do something that is uh, not natural. So what we tried to do, at least how we do it in the IDF, is to train in a way that we're locking the gun as best as humanly possible and uh, and getting to the point where we teach it from the shoulder. So what part of the shoulder, what part of the, the pocket of the shoulder between the neck and the shoulder do you put the weapon in? What height do you put it in depending on what position you're in? How you build the contact behind the stock? And then you go to the, the face and how the weight of the head has to be on the stock and how do you do that and where do you start the... The, the the smearing of the of the cheek on the on the on the stock and there you have a lock going down and then how you use your right hand and there's these all these little eh, little things that we taught you guys you know with your right hand and where your third finger needs to be and how do you lock your between your two fingers how do you lock the trigger guard trigger guard what's that called uh, yeah, a t trigger grip 
and um, and and uh, and where your finger is and how it gets to the to the to the trigger, and then you have your uh, magazine on your on your forearm and how you lock there from right to left, and then the, the way you hold the forward grip and how do you hold it between the two first fingers and how does it fall on your hand and not on your fingers? And everything we did here was to stabilize the weapon. How do you make the gun as stable as possible so the hit ratio and the hit factor goes up? So once you know how to hold a gun, now you now need how to learn how to aim it and, 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 and breathe and all that. But once you know how to hold it and you're in the right position, this is why we tried pushing this 45 degrees into your head in every position. Because when you do that, the ease to get into the five points of contact are much easier. If you're not in that angle, you're not gonna be able to do it. So it all, it, everyone talks to each other. A talks to B, B talks to C, C talks to D. There's a reason for every single thing, you know, how high your fingers need to be on the grip toward your, against your thumb. The little things to, uh, if you do it the right way, it's just easier to shoot. One, so that's one my point two on things. that is, um, Curtis and I were partners out shooting guys it's kevin sorry it's kevin gear and gun review curtis and i were partners on the range because everybody got everybody got paired up and we were doing the kneeling position and kind of harping back on what mikey's saying is there's a reason you do certain things and in certain angles when we were doing the kneeling position you know curtis and i both kind of did more of the american style kneeling we were trying to move into the idf position and then curtis like Curtis all of a sudden starts dinging steel and he gets up. I just figured it out. And he moved his knee probably 20 degrees out to give a really solid 90 degree angle. Kind of what the IDF is, is all about and just started ringing steel. And then I had shifted over and all of a sudden it worked. And we both looked at each other like, huh, that's why that's that way. Epiphany. Aren't they great? I definitely am going to start using yeah. the, uh, the prone position. Uh, I really like that. And I did find it. It was a lot more stable for me and I was a lot more accurate. But Curtis, I want to get your take on it uh, because you've taken a shit ton of uh, training courses here lately. So just kind of compare that to what uh, what you've gone through. And as Kevin was stating, you know, there's some things, some not necessarily bad habits, but, you know, ways that you were trained recently that you had trouble um, adapting to the IDF way. Well, to, to build on the previous two, uh, I think they're pretty sure that they put uh, me and Kevin together because we were the two fat kids. So they put us together so that they could manage the fat kids. Uh, but damn uh, it, man, it's fluffy. Yeah, fluffy. But now, guys, guys, fluffy. I, I, I was buying, I, I was buying you two on purpose, you know, because you guys were our weakest links. So we put you guys in the middle <laughs> of the range because we we, we, we oh. I, I put you guys in front of us. So that was the whole idea. I didn't want to tell you this; it was a secret. Wow. But no, it's out of the bag now. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm letting. <laughs> no, you guys wow. are actually very. So, so you were, and you were very, and you were very fluffy. <laughs> Curtis, you're wow. not done with your video, right? I think we should. I think you should re-edit our videos real fast. Yeah, I don't know. Man. <laughs> I, that was that was pretty. I, I got so many. I got, I got, I got some. I got some serious good photos with Curtis in the kneeling position and and Kevin in the prone position. There were some times that Kevin, if you guys noticed this, I don't know if everyone saw this, but I'll tell you guys a little secret. We did a maneuver called quick prone shooting. Where we would stand up, and we would be, you know, the enemy would shoot at us, and then you have to hit the ground and and fire three rounds at the target as fast as humanly possible. We give eight seconds for that. So it's a, it's a, maneuver, a maneuver that every IDF infantry soldier goes through. We call it an Ibu And it's not a job, Nick. It's another thing, Jim. But it's, uh, it's, uh, it's called Shkavchapit. Uh, so what happened was, Kevin, he's a big guy. We fluffy guy. We can call it whatever we want to call it. So 
So he started doing that in the beginning, and then he said, no, I can't do this shit anymore. And he went from his knees to the prone position. He cut down the distance between the standing and the prone position. I just want people to know that. I'm not sure you all did that, but we gave him less Timothy, time. So instead of getting eight Timothy seconds, he got four did, seconds. Timothy Yan <laughs> actually did a flip and then went prone. I, I, I'm the only one that saw it or got it on video. But we were on the end, by the way. I would also like to uh... – I would also like to interject that if you watch any of the video that is stored on the Dropbox folder of us performing said fast action down to the prone position, that uh, every clip of me performing this has me on the ground faster than everybody else, me shooting faster than everybody else, and me reading the steel faster than everybody else. So I may be That's gravity, man. That, it's well, that's no, gravity see, that's, because you just fell to the ground faster. No, see, that's a misnomer. Uh, that, that's that doesn't, <laughs> that's not scientifically correct. I'm a scientist. You can't bullshit a shitter. Yeah, I know, but it, it sounds good though. It sounds good. Yeah, you can't. Gravity accelerates <laughs> all items at the same rate. There. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just fucking with you. But you did one in slow motion, you know. You got a video in slow motion, so when you were doing it slow, that you know slowed it up. It showed the the the, the technique that you have. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> no, but, um, you know, to, to, to go back to, uh, to that, um, when I, when I shoot and I, you know, like Mikey or um, Marty said, I've, you know, I've been to a lot of classes this year and, you know, I've been, I've been running this channel for about five years now and I, I picked up a lot of things. Uh, the, the way I approach shooting is from a scientific perspective. I'm a very, uh, biomechanics minded individual. And when I built the positions that I use on a day-to-day -day basis, they have a basis in that kind of realm to go to a class and have somebody instruct me on how they perceive the biomechanic advantage of the human body over the gun. was a huge like thing for me. Like, I mean, it was like the epiphanies started coming through where there was, because everything that we do here is built on squaring yourself to the target. We touched on the 45 degree thing that you guys do in the IDF. And when you're talking about changing the 45 degrees, you change everything that's biomechanically possible uh, when you're adapting to the weapon itself. So the five points of contact, actually locking the gun in, that's not something that we do here. Um, and having that explained at such a, a high level in a classroom setting and then going directly to the range and integrating it. I mean, I don't think that this has been touched on. Uh, we spent an entire day on the prone position alone. So, I mean, the amount of instruction and for the, for everybody listening that we received, the level of instruction that we received, just imagine talking about the prone position for an entire day. Like that's the kind of level that we were talking about as far as uh, the instruction is concerned. And I also think doing the prone the entire day, like when we did kneeling and we did standing, all of like the five points of contact, all of the really, really basics that we learned in prone transitioned very quick to the other positions as well. Yeah, so going into a, so going into a, a course like this, you know, I, I'm very uh, in tune with the leave the previous experience at the door kind of thing, kind of come in with a blank slate, uh, check your ego at the door kind of thing. Uh, and... Uh, being able to be to learn a completely different way of doing it, uh, I had lots of take homes, lots of, uh, and it was very challenging for me as well because uh, completely changing the way I set up the position 
from what I've been doing my entire life was challenging sometimes, but there was even one time where I was defeated, where it was, uh, Kevin saw this, I actually got mad a few times at myself because I was unable to perform the the malfunction clearance drills, right? and you know, Kevin can jump in any time and take this over from me because he was look on the outside looking in uh, while I was trying to do it. I was like kind of stuck in my head the yeah. whole time trying well, I mean, to get. That's, that's the point that, you know, I'm, try, I'm was, trying to make is that there's things that had to be reprogrammed into some of you people that were had been hard hardcore trained the other way. But, but after you, after yeah, I mean, you learned some of their ways, uh, you actually saw some benefits, and some of you are actually going to start adapting these into your adapting these into your. Uh, your normal shooting routine. Yeah, I think that you know, 100%. Just is so everybody knows what I'm what I'm talking about here. Like the prone position and the seated position. Like I'm taking those 100%. Like I'm probably going to leave the other ways that I've done it in the past completely in the dust because it's just the IDF way. As far as like biomechanically, is just superior in just about every way <laughs> to to the way we do it here. All right. Any other comments on that? Well, this is Andre here. Um, I know one of the things that we used was that training aid uh, of the, uh, the, sh- the prone shooting platform. And uh, maybe Mikey could explain that about how you developed that and what he's, what he's going to be doing with that particular uh, training aid. Good, good segue. So, Mikey, let's get into the, the Zeus Zero in under 80 seconds, which we have a great video of that on uh, Talking Ledge YouTube channel. Uh, tell our listeners about it. Real quick. Um, when I retired from the Army about six years ago, I would be continued to be invited to the boot camps of the infantry to help the battalion commander, who was also a lieutenant colonel, uh, with what's happening there. You know, give them some advice, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, a volunteering sort of thing. So I would come to these bases, and after I was already retired, I would come and you go from range to range, and you see these guys in a prone position that was not correct. So I would physically fix them one by one, and at one time, the the battalion commander of the boot camp base got, he got uh, frustrated. And he says, Mikey, put one guy into the perfect position. I'm going to take, I'm going to have one of my guys take a picture of that. We're going to take that picture. We're going to put it on the range for the range officer. So every time he see, he looks at the picture, he knows what he's supposed to do. It's like, you know, I told you guys a lot of times during this week, you know, uh, shooting is like artwork. You know, it's uh, it's, you're painting a picture. You have to see a certain picture. And then when you see that picture, you know, it's right. And when it's not that picture, you know, something's wrong. Now you just got to find out what's wrong. We try teaching you if something, if you do something wrong, how does that affect the target? You know, where are you going to miss or you're going to have a, a group size going left to right, up and down. It's going to go on a, on an angle. So regarding that, the mattress, I was driving home that day and I said to myself, maybe I can build a training aid that will actually teach the prone position. Um, and I went to my office. I remember it like yesterday. It wasn't that many years back, probably about, you know, four or five years ago. And I took a napkin in my office and I drew the first Zeus mattress. And then I uh, partnered up with a friend of mine in Israel and we made the first one. And basically this mattress folds up and a guy can carry it and it's green and it's against water and mud and it's very strong. It's basically something that teaches you that 45 degree angle that you guys were talking about, but it shows support in every possible point of contact with the body, from your feet, through the inner legs, on the outer legs, underneath your stomach and chest, your right arm, your right uh, forearm, your left arm, your left forearm, every point uh, is so secured that even when you breathe, you do not move. And this is why we call it the zero under 80 seconds of Zeus, because you don't move. 
Now, what happens here, we're dealing with muscle memory. And then at what we do with the boot camp, he, he trains with this, and slowly but surely, as the boot camp goes on, we take off these like Lego pieces that are Velcro, that are stuck, and so he doesn't have to have it. So then after you take it away, after he does it for a while, he now goes into the perfect position every time he shoots. But that teaches him the perfect position. Basically, you have to understand, when you, when you hold a weapon, basically, especially when you're a first starting soldier, you're, you're in boot camp, you're afraid, you guys know in the IDF, you have to join the army at 18, it's not it's mandatory. So when they start uh, holding the gun for the first time, they're shaking. We don't have any hunting in, in Israel. We don't have any gun stores that you can buy a long gun in Israel. You can't buy an M16 or an AK in any gun store in Israel. There's no such thing. So this is probably the first time these guys are touching a long weapon, right? So they lie down. They're afraid. They're going to get hit. The noise. It's a, it's a scary thing to shoot for the first time. You're 18 years old, never shot a gun in your life. So the, the idea of this mattress is to neutralize that fear. Because basically, what do we have to teach? We have to teach timing between breathing, aiming, and trigger pull. Those three, if I teach that timing between breathing, aiming, and trigger pull, I'll be fine. But what happens if the gun is shaking all over the place because he's afraid or he's not holding it well, then to teach those three things, the breathing, aiming, and trigger pull, it's much more, it's, it, it's almost impossible. So what happens with this mattress, it locks you in such a way that now you can teach the breathing, aiming, and, and trigger pull the correct way. So that's the idea of it, you know, and it's even good for hunters, you know, just lie down. You guys, some of you almost fell asleep in that. It's hard to get out of there. You, you like being in there. It's fit for all sizes. So um, it was a pretty interesting idea. We have not made them yet. It's a brand new concept. Uh, we're going to put into our 2017 CA catalog for the first time. Uh, and uh, it's going to be coming soon. You know, hopefully we're going to be retailing it for, I'm not sure what, how much money yet, but uh, I think it's going to be uh, something cool. There's nothing like it on the market, and I think it's going to really help specifically for guys that are starting out shooting, but also guys that want to do some long-range shooting and just uh, have some support like that because you never feel support like that ever. There's not such a thing in the world that someone's putting that stuff underneath your chest and your right arm. There are supports under your left hand holding the weapon, but that's it. Hey, Mikey, I, I could jump in real quick and say that the first time I saw you demonstrating this at Big 3, I, I said to myself, Oh, poor John from Arms List. He got suckered in to get stuck in this mattress thing with this guy, and this guy is so full of energy, he's going to be there for hours. And I watched you do it, and I watched him start to, to experience it, and I still had doubts about it. Um, and then we used it for the, its intended purpose of instruction this past week, and it's, there's nothing like it on the planet. Um, I think CA is going to have a hit on their hands once people start to see the videos come out and watch how we used it to... Uh, again, that teach ourselves muscle memory. But that's what you do. There, think about it. You lie prone. What guides are there to make sure that you're getting in the same position every time? Even if you do just do up-downs, the odds of you coming into a different position each time without a training tool like that uh, are very high. So I think it's, uh, I think it's a, like a revolutionary type of thing, to be honest with you. I can, if, I can, <laughs> if I can echo uh, Kevin's point for just a second, um, I saw him for the first time at Big Three while you were, you know, you had him out and you were, you had John in there. I remember the exact same situation. I remember actually trying to get to the other side of the range and tripping over some of the foam pieces. You know, I, I was still at that point in time, like Kevin said, somewhat skeptical, using it extensively over the course of like the last week. Just, I, I can't, I want one, right? Like, I, <laughs> I lay in the gravel all the time when we're, when we're doing video. 
And like to even for that purpose alone, let alone a teaching component would just be phenomenal. I think it's going to be a huge product for CEA once it hits the market. Yeah, I have to echo that as well. I think what's interesting is that a lot of new shooters don't understand that the the, the biggest hindrance to it, to accurate shooting, to solid marksmanship, is a lack of consistency. And by you know getting yourself in the exact same position every single time is a surefire ticket to at least improve your grouping somewhat. I mean, getting you know consistent five points of contact on the rifle or the long arm or whatever it happens to be. Uh, consistent grip, consistent sight picture, but you know, eliminating one more element for a new shooter to screw up is is phenomenal. It's, it's less of them to think about and more of them to concentrate on on stuff like trigger control and sight picture. Anybody else want to comment on that? Uh, Timothy Han here. Um, I I have some um, shooting um, backgrounds. I was shooting an Olympic style competition before I joined the Marine Corps, and in the Marine Corps, I was uh, a marksmanship instructor for almost a year. And even for me, I find that the uh, shooting match is very useful um, for doing that. So, and I definitely want to review that when that's available. And as a gun rider, I still prefer to do my group shots. Uh, When I review a new guns, I still prefer to do it in prong. I think that would actually help me a lot doing that because I could repeat myself every time. So if I change a magazine or if I had to change something in my um, in my guns, I could go back to that position. And also that uh, because it has all the phone support, it will um, help me to um, uh, a lot more comfortable for doing a long time. So if I, I could do multiple groups at one session for it. So um, I think it's very uh, useful too for me. As long as you don't eat too much kimchi. Then you won't fit it. Long country. <laughs> That's the great thing about it. Anybody else? David, Andre, Kevin? Uh, Dave, Dave here. I'll just jump in real quick and say that uh, I think that it took um, – you know, a lot of head scratching uh, by the lieutenant colonel to come up with a device that could be um, quickly and easily uh, fitted to any any shooter and to be able to put them in a position like that so that they can understand what is being taught and to uh, get the initial muscle memory. So, um, you know, he talked a little bit about how they made the first one in a garage and cobbled it together. And uh, I think it's just interested in the way that they made all this happen. Anybody else? I have a question for Mikey, though. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Um, you have trained a lot of people. Have you got uh, anybody ever come back and say, what you taught me saved my life? Have you had that experience? Andre, my entire adult life, I'm in the IDF. That's all I did. You have to understand. Uh, from 19 to 40, um, that's all I did. A scout sniper in the infantry, and, and then from 93 until 2010, you know, I was in charge of teaching the Israeli military how to shoot. Not, you don't hear that once. You don't hear that 10 times. You don't hear that 100 times. You hear that thousands of times. You know, the, the sharpshooter is a, 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 a job that I built for the IDF. I uh, designed the reticles of the, of the ACOG that we use in the IDF, the night vision. That's all I did. So the first time someone said that to me, you know, it feels great. But I always said that the reason God put me on this planet was to save people's lives. You know, I think that's the only gift I really got. So uh, every day of my life, that's what I did. So did anyone ever say that to me? Uh, Thousands of times. 
that's what you know that's what gave me all the energy to keep on doing it so 100 percent that's tremendous. And let me say, let, let me just jump in here real quick again. Um, I think that that was one of the things that really stuck out to me as far as the instructors, because there isn't a recreational gun culture in Israel the way that we have in the United States, and the way that um, you know basically a lot of the media people that showed up there are you know they they really get into guns, uh, recreational shooting it's you know an american heritage and pastime um given down from god that we can accessorize our firearms however we wish right um and with the with the israeli instructors um you could really see that this wasn't something for recreation this was this was something that they were teaching to save life Okay, and I worked with uh, our uh, uh, Andre and my uh, instructor was Garrett, and I mean this is a guy that looks like he's got CLP running through his veins. Okay, um, and it was just very obvious that the the importance that they place on their accuracy and making hits. Okay, and and making your malfunction clearing as fast as possible and the way they did things. And it did, it had nothing to do with scoring points in a match. Okay. Or being the fastest to knock down a bunch of plates. And, um, you know, it, it was sobering how it came across and, um, you know, it, it just gives an indication of where they're coming from compared to, um, a lot of stuff you see in the U S. Yeah. I think that the, to add to that, you know, uh, Garrett was also my instructor as well. Um, the time in the kill house uh, with him, there were several comments that were made you know, during the instruction process that uh, it really drove home the mindset components. You know, whenever I go to a course, you know, we always try to evaluate a course on mindset, tactics, skill, and gear. And uh, the mindset component that really came through you know, several times in the course, but really came home when we were talking about CQB stuff inside of the kill house, when you're talking about an enemy that just wants nothing more than to die against you in battle kind of thing. Um, you know, that's, that is super sobering and you can really see the, the behind the eyes kind of perspective that some of these guys live with every single day. And that was, um, that was very, very sobering. It was funny. It's Kevin from Gear and Gun. Um, it was funny because, plain and simple, these guys are war fighters. You know, any every single one of our instructors has been, you know, in a combat zone and worked hard and and taken the skills that we learned into a combat zone. And and, and being, you know, be, you know, for me, being in combat, it was interesting to watch them. Like when we would mess up something, Garrett would get a little frustrated. Like, no, you have to do it this way. If you don't do it this way, this is what could happen. And he's coming from firsthand experience. You know, and, and that's, I think, is one of the biggest benefits of this course is you're not getting a Joe Schmo that just learned how to do it. You're, you're getting guys and instructors that have lived this and know, okay, this is why we do it, because if you don't, you get shot. Yep. Good point. Uh, there, let me just interject. There was, uh, there was one point that he was, uh, Garrett was teaching, you know, engaging around a corner, and he was, he was just going into a specific thing there. But it was the point that he, when he was done, he looked at us and said, and I've done this many, many times, you know? So. Yep. Good points. 
so let's get into the next product that we were there to evaluate, the Micro Ronnie, also known as the Macaroni, and the uh, Micro Stab. Talk, talk about how those came to be. I mean, you guys had the Ronnie to begin with. What led you to come out with the, the Micro Ronnie? So regarding the Micro Ronnie, we, we've had the Ronnie for about five, six years. This is uh, the, the owner's daughter's name is Ronnie, and that's where the name came from. And then about, I don't know, uh, a year ago, give or take, um, we came out with this idea of, of, of improving it, the, the, the next generation of Ronnie. So the, the micro Ronnie is much more compact. The stock itself folds. You can put an integral flashlight inside. Um, the assembly and disassembly is so quick, much faster than the other one, and it's half the price of everybody else. So for us, this is our, our, our main product. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of back orders on the, around, the, around the world and in, and in the States. And it was the first time that we've ever done a course on them. Uh, so that was the catalyst to actually do this course. You know, it came from there originally. So um, it went, uh, we, we, you guys saw the, the, the fact that the, the range was 35 meters. Um, in, in, it was by the kill house and we wanted to do it by the kill house. So when we, when we divided you guys up on Wednesday, you guys wouldn't be too far from each other. Um, if we would have done the range a bit, a little bit even farther, you guys would have seen even more the dif the difference between the Micaroni and the, and the regular Glock. When you guys shoot slow, it's, it's not, it's not difficult to, to hit with a Glock. Uh, especially if you guys have your experience with, with the handguns, when you shoot faster, it's much more difficult. When you shoot at farther ranges, it's much more difficult. When you shoot at smaller targets, it's much more difficult. And uh, we think this Micaroni is going to be a very big hit. It's, uh, we call it our home run, we hope. Now, the SBR makes it a lot more difficult, so that's why we made the stabilizer as well. But um, it was important for us that you guys get hands-on training in the prone, in the kneeling, in the sitting, in the charging, um, shooting with the Micaroni so you guys can have a better understanding of it and uh, you know, understand its strengths and weaknesses. So uh, we, we are hopefully, you know, you can do it for VIP protection and you can police guys have this in their, in their squad car, on their motorcycle and pull it out when you have a hostage situation or you need more accurate shooting. Um, it's a pretty cool concept. It's um, probably the simplest concept out of all the, uh, the, the, the handgun, what are they called? The uh, count from when you make them into a little, whatever you call it. So I'm sorry, I lost my English there for a second. But in any case, the uh, uh, we think that it greatly improves the speed and accuracy of the of the Glock. And you're also making that for other uh, handguns also coming up, aren't you? Correct. In 2017, we're going to come up with a few more models. One is another Glock, but it's going to be a Glock 21. We want to try the higher caliber as well. Uh, we're going with a, a 1911. Uh, we're doing a Zig Zauer. Uh, so we have uh, we have some. Uh, uh, different models coming out in the first uh, six months of 2017. We're going to be showing those, by the way, for the first time at Chat Show. Oh, cool! All right. So, who wants to uh, break down how the uh, the Ronnie works as far as uh, assembling, putting your gun in, and and going to town with it? Who who feels comfortable about that? Way the gun goes in and out of the Micaroni was is super simplistic. I think it took all of us what like two minutes to figure it out and then we were just it was very comfortable to pop in and pop out um because we had to transition it from yeah, yeah. the regular micaroni yeah. to the stabilizer one yeah real quick yeah. let's talk about how that's done talk about the mechanics of putting your glock in and out of the, the ronnie 
Oh, yeah, it's, it's really easy. So the Micaroni comes with a, um, a slide kind of charging handle that's held on by tension. And basically what you do is you, you would push, push a button and you would release kind of a, um, a clamp that pops up. And then you would put the slide, the slide piece on there, slide the gun in and down and push it forward till it clicks. And it basically what it would do is lock down on the Picatinny rail system on the front of the gun. Then you would close that back hatch and then lock it into place. And it was really interesting when we would do this over and over and over again, because we would flip it from the regular Micaroni to the stabilizer version. Our zeros were kept very, very close. Granted, we were bumping around and, and switching guns up and we, and we kind of had some, some things with that. But by the end of the, the, the course, we kind of had all figured out which one were our guns, which one were our, Roni, you know, our Micaronis. But we would pop this thing in and out, in and out, and we would take one round and just go pink, and it would be back to zero. So it's very easy. It takes maybe, if, once we got good at it, I'd probably say it takes us 20 seconds to pop it out and pop it back in. It takes a lot less time. God for God forbid. Where did you get 20 seconds from? How do you judge time? You have a wife? I don't want to talk about sex here on the phone. But uh, oh, 20 man. seconds? Are go. you serious? <laughs> like 20 seconds? Well, it depends. It okay, depends. Not, counts, not that long. It depends if you count if it's if it's James Grant in there with with you doing it because true. there is video and incapable of doing this. Now, granted, it was dark outside. You know, we all had to do this in hey, the hey, dark too. Hey. I had the wrong size gun inside of the, the wrong Roni because someone handed me a different Roni than what we've been shooting with. So I was trying to jam well, a, a seventeen into a nineteen brace, and I'm I'm accustomed with doesn't fit to just forcing it, you know. Hey, uh, Mikey, <laughs> just, just so that everybody knows, it is written clearly in big white letters on the front of the Roni, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 100%. You have to have brain damage and, and, not and or, and smoke drugs heavily to mix that up. Okay? So if you put in the wrong handgun, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I've got to get my group sizes <laughs> down any way I can, all right? Don't judge. Uh, so, so it should take blood. anywhere between. It should take any. It should take no more than five seconds to do the transition of putting the handgun in. It's faster to take it out, but in it's five, out it's two. So that's the time that we judge people on, by the way, to do it. So no, it's not even close to up. But you guys can disagree with me if you want. Anybody on the panel thinks it should take longer than five seconds, we, uh, we may have to bring you back to another course. Uh, shameless plug. Okay, uh, that I'm that I'm volunteer. That I'm volunteer, volunteer to go back to another course. No problem. Absolutely. Shameless plug, if you want to see it done in, in two seconds, uh, you can go to VSO Gun Channel and watch a video uh, of them doing it in like two seconds. So there you go. So, yeah. Proof that even primates can do it in two seconds. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, you're in between two and five. Oh, <laughs> I didn't do it. All right, I didn't do it. All right. Order, order. Mike, yeah, I have a quick question for you uh, regarding the Roni. So I got in the one that I won at the event today. I had my buddy bring over his uh, SBR. You had to bring that in. You won something that nobody else did. I knew you'd bring that up. <laughs> so my buddy brought over his, uh, his, uh, his converted 17, right? So it's got a, it's got a uh, the back panel got a selector on it, right? Um, we haven't shot in full auto in the Roni yet because it's raining today. But uh, what was interesting for me is that his is a Glock uh, Gen 3, right? And the Gen 3 seemed to lock up a little bit tighter than the, than the 4s we used at the range. Was it designed specifically for the 3 or kind of uh, with both the 3rd and 4th generation Glock models in mind? Well, there are a lot of people. There's, I know there's a big argument out there, which is better the 3 or 4. In Israel, the thought presses is that the 3 is better than the 4. But I, I don't know. I don't know that to be true. But I, the objective was it would be good for both 3 and 4s. So it, uh, we're trying to hit the middle ground there. Sure. 
Yeah, I, I think the three feels a little more comfortable for me. But then again, I, I learned to shoot on a on a uh, second gen Glock. It's a little more similar to it than a uh, than a fourth one. Any comments on the Ronnie? You have considerations for suppressed models uh, coming uh, coming down the pipe. Any idea what those are going to look like? Are they going to delete? A part of the front feature of the Roni to do that is just going to have an extended barrel. Is going to you know how's that going to kind of take shape? The it's already in process. Okay, that's been worked on for the last month and a half. We've been in development. Our engineer team in Israel. The barrel itself would be wider. We're just opening up that area. It may have an effect on 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 raw material that has to be set around it, but it's going to look very very similar. It's just going to be opened in the front. Um, we're checking other options. You know, uh, there are certain countries around the world that, that, that a lot of the military, a lot of their police force, I'm sorry, are with, with Ronnie's with that. So we're, we're even looking at putting uh, tear gas instead of the flashlight that you can opt it out and take out the flashlight and put in tear gas to get rid of riots and stuff. So we're, we're playing with a lot of stuff, but the suppressor you'll see is still in 2017. Um, one more question that you hit on, sorry to suck it all up. Um, but the flashlight attachment, any plans for a momentary only uh, flashlight offering instead of a constant yeah. arm? I, I agree with you. That's 100%. That needs to be done. We've, uh, you know, we had our homework to do as well after the show. There were mistakes that we made that we can do better next time. Uh, one of them, you know, if we talk about problems, it's always good to talk about problems. It's not just a show to say all the good stuff. Uh, we took guns from Altair, uh, M4s, M16 sort of. And there were some, at least two of them had major problems. One had a one to nine t barrel turn that couldn't, that didn't do well, well with the fragmented ammo. And Jim had some frustration time there. And uh, we had another uh, M4 that was doing problems that had the forward grip on it that was, uh, that it got bent out of shape. So uh, we should bring our guns next time and not rent them out from a, from a shooting range. That was problem number one. Problem number two that we did wrong, we did not keep the, the same microwave and the same M4 with each pair. I paired you guys up on purpose because I wanted the second guy to be able to teach the first guy and the first guy to teach the second guy. Uh, that's why we did it. We put you guys two pairs per instructor and that's the way we did it. Um, so those two things need to be fixed uh, for our next course. And, uh, and we will do that. Uh, we will do that better next time. Um, to be honest with you guys, if you guys look at the, the schedule, we did everything we said we we're going to do and we did more. So we were improvising on the, on, on the way, uh, it looked like it was, everything was planned out perfectly, but, um, there were some things that I, you know, every, every one of those maneuvers I wrote, what we're going to do, how many rounds we're going to shoot, what's the required score and stuff like that. Exactly. Like we did in the IDF. So we wanted to get maximum time behind the Micaroni, the Micaroni stabilizer and, and the MH1 site. And I think it was good that we brought in the M4s because it, it brought things home more so to you guys with the instructional side and also to learn about the MH1. But to be honest with you, after the course, we sat down and, and with ourselves to see what we can do better. We had a meeting this morning with the guys in Israel. We had a meeting two days ago about this. So we're, we're trying to improve ourselves and, and make it even better next time we do it. And that's an if, by the way. We're not, we're not for sure we're doing it. But uh, if you guys are going to be like everyone we're going to have, we're going to do it a few more times. But it was, uh, it was even better than we thought it was going to be. It came out... Uh, Nothing's perfect in life, you know, except maybe my wife. Uh, but um, in in any case, uh, it gave us it gave us a lot of uh, strength to uh, to try to do this one more time at least. Very good. So, any other comments on the the Ronnie? We're going to get to the uh, Hartman optic next. Hey guys, um, I actually have to go. 
Mikey, always a always a pleasure talking to you, man, and and absolutely love the course. Um, Marty, thanks for doing this, and and then everybody on appreciate working with you guys. Some of you guys was for the first time. Most of you guys was for like the third or fourth time. So hopefully we can do this again and uh, see everybody at Shot Show. All right, Fluffy. All right, take care. Take care. Take care. All right. So uh, okay. the, the MH1, real quick. Let's get everybody's uh, thoughts and opinions on it. Start with uh, David. The MH1 site is an interesting take. It's different than where some of Americans lean with, you know, the ultra small, ultra light, ultra this, ultra that. There's a lot of things to really like about it, though. Uh, the big window, um, all the technology that goes into it, it's extremely practical. It's extremely well thought out. And it's really designed with the end user in mind. That's one of the things that I like about it. And you can see that from either the power system to the reticles that are available, the batteries, the power supply, uh, the auto shutoff and how it comes right back awake, the way that you can, uh, that it can shut off to preserve your battery, even when it's getting bounced around in the back of a vehicle. And then as soon as you pick it up and go into a shooting position, it comes right back. Uh, the ease and zeroing. Uh, the robustness. This, this site was designed with the rifleman in mind, and you know I really like that. I like the ability uh, that you can stick a night vision, like a PVS-14, behind it if you don't want to run around with a uh, an IR laser. Really interesting site uh, with the demise of EOTech in the U.S. I mean, the, the timing couldn't be better for a site like this to to come into the market. Okay. I think that. Once American shooters have a chance to play with it and uh, get to know it, I think a lot of people are going to really like it. Yeah. And you actually have one, don't you, David? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> winner, winner. <laughs> Dave, we have to get that on air, right? Dave, Dave, yeah, I, you definitely I'm, did, I'm, my friend. You definitely did. Uh, the MH1 is fantastic. I, I like um, – I like the reticle. We, that's uh, one thing that I, David covered it very succinctly there and, uh, and very accurately. Um, but the reticle, there's a, it's, it's a big difference between that and all the other aforementioned models. And I think we're really talking, you know, the aim points, the EOTEX, the, the Vortex, the, the, uh, the MRO. Is there all a, a standalone red dot, whatever MOA they may be? This one has two uh, horizontal leveling lines so to speak. And if you go even deeper into the design of those, those are actual uh, range finders that if you know how to use it properly, you can uh, hit targets up to 300 yards, putting, uh, using the actual measurements within the reticle to line up certain shots. Um, I just thought that I, I enjoyed shooting it because of the leveling line. Um, I actually have a pre-production uh, unit here since um, April. <laughs> it's not fully functional. Yeah, I'll be David, but uh, it's not fully functional. So I have a little bit more experience with that. Plus, um, I'm an optic uh, editor, so I want to uh, address some of my reader that's you know commented during my preview piece, say that you know it's big, it's expensive. This is not a uh, civilian competition site. This is made for military. This is made for get beat up by. Uh, conscript soldiers or not very well trained soldiers were taking care of their gear for a long time. The um, 
the site, it actually uh, is one of the few design that actually use uh, a new generation of prism red dot. It means using prism instead of lens will make it a lot more durable. And also because you could face code the prism or you could change the shape of the prism, you actually have um, a lot better optically. Like one of the best feature of it, like there's no uh, um, visible light either uh, infrared or visible light from the front. That's that's part of the doctrine, part of the, from the Mikey's experience with that. And, uh, you know, uh, talking about, uh, you know, it's if expensive and big because this is a, this is a military site. This is not for some recreation shooter. This is actually built to be a combat site from the get-go. And uh, so that's actually a very different. And actually, this is the first time I actually ran the course and shoot with multiple weapon with a fully functional one. So I'm actually very impressed with that. And I definitely want to buy one when uh, um, when, when the model that I want is <laughs> available. All right. Very good. Curtis. Yeah. So um, I touched on this briefly the, the other day on, on tax show. Uh, I'll just kind of reiterate here as far as the MH1 is concerned, you know, there's a lot of things that we could sit here and go over for hours. Uh, but the biggest thing for me uh, is the window size. Uh, and it's not just the window size as in like area, the width of the, of the window is a big deal. And how I can describe this uh, most succinctly is uh, when we use a lot of things on the range here, we have sometimes uh, issues with people not properly clearing the cover. Uh, and a lot of that is related to the optic because they, uh, the, the micro dots here, uh, you know, the small aim points or even the large aim points or EOTEX, um, they obscure that barrier to some degree. So you can't really see the barrier when you're coming out of it and you're just kind of guesstimating sort of where you are in space or you have to do a double check. Well, if you forget to do that double check, if you're in a hurry or something like that, you can send a, a round into uh, your barricade. You know, a lot of times we use plywood or, uh, or barrels here. It's not really that big of a deal. But if you're talking about like a concrete barricade or something like that, you're going to eat all that or, and you could potentially send a, an aberrant round into someplace you don't want it because you impact the barricade. Uh, so as far as using it around barriers uh, is concerned, the MH1 is probably the most superior site that I've ever had the pleasure of using in that respect because you can both see the target area and the area immediately in front of you and it's not obscured by the housing of the site. So I don't know if anybody has done that sort of analysis on that prior, but that is something that I noticed uh, when I was playing with it in the downtime. Jimbo. So I think the uh, the window size was something I didn't know I had a problem with before. So I run EOTAX almost exclusively, not because I don't like aim points or whatnot, but because the first, I guess, uh, been there, done that, de facto tactical, um, you know, reflex thought I ever owned was, was an EOTAX that I wanted a three-gun match. And, um, and so I was always enamored to it. Thinking, this is so cool. I see these all the time on TV. I think I was like 19 at the time or some such. But um, so to compensate for the, the much more limited sight picture, sight window, I should say, on the EOTEX, I got in the habit of mounting my optics very, very far forward to give me the, you know, the maximum field of view. And the problem with doing that is it shifts a lot of the weight forward, especially on the older models that are a little heavier. 
And I mean, that for me at least gets pretty tiring if I'm trying to stand at alert basically with a you know, rifle ready, rifle up, sight picture, and so on. And when we had a chance to use the MH1 on the range, I noticed that it was mounted much closer to my face than I'm accustomed to, but I didn't sacrifice any field of vision at all. I didn't, didn't suffer from the traditional tunnel vision of having an optic that close to your eye. I think that combined with the, uh, I think Curtis mentioned it earlier, the, or it might have been Kevin, the, uh, what's it called, the, uh, the horizontal lines as well as the vertical ones that help keep you level to the ground, keep you from accidentally canting the rifle, and thus altering your ballistic arc, which I did mention uh, last night on Tac Daddy's show. I think those are, those are brilliant additions, and they don't needlessly clutter the sight. It still keeps a very clean reticle that's easy to still identify and then easily engage targets. I think overall, it's a pretty brilliant sight. Andre. Well, I tell you, most everybody has, has picked up what I really loved about it, which was uh, the wide field of view. It was like you either have a window or you have this plate glass window. And this has got up like a plate glass window. You can really see a lot. And you really feel like that you maintain tremendous situational awareness with this in front of your face. It's not like some of the other sites where you have it in front of your face and you feel like you're, you're not seeing everything you like to see. And I personally think that uh, these kind of sites are going to be the future of, of tactical weapons. I, I don't think that uh, uh, I talked to guys in the Marine Corps and they said they've had more uh, problems with iron sights breaking than they have their red dots breaking. So with the reliability being what it is these days, red dot sights are the way to go. And this one is, is one of the best. And uh, if, uh, uh, 48 would have just put his aside about two minutes longer. I would have picked that up and walked away with it because that really is a nice, a really nice sight. So I'm, I'm a real confirmed uh, believer that this is a real winner they've got on their hands here. And it's durable. It's easy to use. It's got the uh, USB port where you can go ahead and, and charge it up. Uh, it's going to last forever anyway. But you know, having USB port where you can go ahead and, and plug it into your computer if you want to go ahead and charge it up. or Everything's got USB ports these days. And also opens up the fact that since it's got a USB port, you can do a lot with that USB port besides just charging it. So the, uh, the idea of later on adding more uh, features to it where you can go ahead and put more to it and can take a lot more information out of it, it's a great, great uh, way of making that a very valuable piece of equipment. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a real believer in that. And when I, whenever I shot that, it was nothing but, but singing steel. Uh, every time I used that on steel, it got to be almost boring. I was hit exactly where I was aiming at every single time. I loved it. Yeah, it was like a laser. I, I, I got to say a quick sentence. It's going to be something you guys don't know, and a little antidote. When I first built this site, the field of view was everything, and I'm glad you guys are noticing that. The first name of the company that we built for this company, you know what we called it? Wide View. I had business cards printed out. I had catalogs printed print out, and the name of the company was called Wide View because that's what I wanted to say. Then our partners uh, in the East, they didn't like the name Wideview, and then we went to Hartman, which happens to be my last name, but I'm, I'm just part owner of the company, and because it, they, they said it sounded German. So uh, uh, we went from Wideview as the name of the company to Hartman, but uh, just a little story that probably no one in the world knows. Uh, that's good. I'm glad they overruled you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting. But guys, real quick, uh, it's important for me to you guys, we're, we're, we're going to be at the, at the media day before SHOT Show. Uh, we got a bay with Triumph, which was one of our sponsors there. They were the amazing, Jerry was an amazing guy, helping us all the time. Their targets are amazing. A lot of you guys have experience with those targets. 
awesome, awesome, awesome people. And we got a bay together, so it's going to be his targets and our guns. So you guys are invited to, to media day and come see us. We're going to, we got our own bay there, so it's the first time for us. Awesome. And uh, as you guys know, and some of you, we, we built a new kind of booth. We went through a new branding last year. So our booth is 12571. 12571. You guys are all invited to come uh, to, to say hi. I'll be there all week and uh, give you guys a little, a little hugs and, and kisses and stuff. So if we show up at Media Day at the range, we walk away with a Hartman site, right? And if we show up to the actual CA booth, you're going to have like, like free food there, right? No, you can take the site and Media Day and then give it back to me when you see me the next day at the show. That, that, may, <laughs> that may be <laughs> There you go. And uh, just one thing, another tip, a quick tip is uh, what I would like to have seen with that optic because, I mean, you think your minds were blown now as if he had some night optics there for us to use with it. That would have been amazing. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been a great addition. That's, that's something that was – that's a brilliant idea. Mikey, if you can ever do this again and you one night during one of the night shoots put some night vision scope on that, that would be very, very good. That's a great idea. Uh, uh, a good point, good idea, and if we do another course, I'll make it happen. That's a good point. Yeah, Mikey, by the way, who else were the, the some of the other sponsors for this event? You might as well bring that up, too. Yeah. Well, we had a whole bunch of sponsors uh, that were, were great, uh, especially, I said, Triumph. We had Walker, I think is her name. If I'm saying this wrong, Kevin, let me fix me. Those are the guys that gave us the ear protection and the clothes and, and the eyes. They were awesome as well. Uh, we had the cleaning uh, gun company with the cleaning stuff. What was their name, guys? Breakthrough. Century Solutions and Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was the uh, giveaways that we put in your little bag that we gave you guys. And uh, we had the ammo guys as well. Uh, everyone was, 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 was awesome. And Altair, you know, they did a great job as well. Um, and it was just uh, – it just went, up, went well all around. So I would love to hear you guys' closing statements and uh, – very good. Let's go around the table. Uh, who wants to start? David? Absolutely. Um, okay. My, my favorite takeaway is the site. Okay. Um, you know, Mikey's training is, is fantastic and stuff, but I think that the, out of everything, I think the site is going to have the biggest impact here in the U S I think that it is going to push its competition due to the amount of technology and the thinking in the site that, uh, that you see. And, I'm interested to see how it's embraced uh, uh, both on the U.S. commercial and uh, LE market. Curtis. I'm, uh, to echo that point, you know, I'm really interested uh, to see how that drives the evolution of sites here uh, in the United States because we've been kind of, okay, dot the center, you know, make it shine, and then go from there. There has been a huge amount of innovation in that, in that uh, realm, you know, people change lenses and stuff like that. But as far as um, – my point, I'm very, uh, I, I really like training, right? I really like to see different perspectives so I can get a different piece of the puzzle. And I think that what Mikey's putting on here, uh, as far as a media event is just one, you know, one thing that just has been unmatched for me. Like I've not seen this done before and I'm very, very uh, much applaud what he's, what he's done here. Cause he's got a home, home run. Jim. Sure. I think like the echo the other guys, I liked the, uh, the structure of the training and I like how they didn't, it didn't feel like a giant sales pitch. Like some of them tend to feel like, um, and, uh, I like how, you know, they, 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 I mean, they didn't bust our ass like we were actually in basic or anything like that, but I, I did like how they didn't baby us with the course and be like, it's okay. You'll shoot better. 
They're like, no, just do it this way. Let me tell you why you're going to shoot this way, and you'll see results. And, and in fact, I think most of us saw that after you know even a few hours of getting accustomed to that new method of, of shooting, whether it's the 45 degree, uh, you know, being behind the rifle, or simply the five points of contact. We, uh, I think, most of us saw an improvement in our shooting at least in terms of getting accustomed to it. And I don't know that it would necessarily improve us overall, but I do say that uh, I'm going to incorporate at the very least the five points of contact into whenever I train like, new shooters and, and, you know, getting that rifle more stable and whatnot. There's a lot of, a lot of great information that uh, it'll take me probably weeks, if not months, to pour over my notes and get every single last nugget out of it. Timothy. Um, good time, good training, and I got two, uh, as a technical guy, I got two quick points about the sight. Uh, without the correction, without uh, wearing a cor correction lens, that sight, the radical actually very sharp for me, and um, I, with, without wearing glass, I cannot use a EOTech, that would become a 65 MOA dot. So that is something that is a lot of black magic, that's what I call it, into the sight. And also I like the polymer cover because it's scratch proof. It's awesome. So I don't have to worry about scratching the the, uh, the anodizing of the housing. Um, the training with the uh, micro only too. So good time. Andre. You know, I, I agree with what everybody else said. So I won't go there because what they said is absolutely correct. I'll just add on to some things that I thought were really great. One, that when I got there, I was not a real believer that the Roni or the stabilizer would really be a benefit. But when I left, I realized, yes, they were. And it was really tremendous. But what I really enjoyed the most was the, the talk we had that uh, when Mikey was telling about the situation that, he, that they deal with every day over there in his country, about how uh, they deal with uh, the, the fact of life that, that uh, they, they are in a war zone. And it's, an, it's at their front door. So in the United States, we deal with uh, maybe criminal elements. And now terrorism is beginning to, to show its ugly head here. But in, in their case, that like uh, Gary was saying, you know, we're more likely to nowadays to encounter an active shooter versus a criminal uh, you know, when we're doing our daily concealed carry. So it, just the, uh, the, the interesting difference and points of view about why we carry or how we train was invaluable. And that's what I like the most. Tag Daddy. I don't know if you guys know this, but we set a record for heat on that last day that we were here. It was hot for December for the record. Uh, but what that meant was great, great backgrounds for lots of great videos from all the guys that uh, are on the, on the panel that are YouTubers. I know we got a ton of footage and you'll, you'll be seeing a lot of these concepts explained. A lot of these different uh, experiences we have will come out as far as the event, the media event, uh, an air quote media event. I doubt that I'll go to another media event that will will, will equal the, the the place, the people, the product, and the purpose that we all were there for. Um, as I said in the in the one highlight video that's out, um, we all achieved our goals because it's it was it was set up for us to knock it down, and and we all did it uh, thanks to Mikey and his team there. Roger that. And there were also a couple other products there. I think they had some of their grips on the rifles and. Um the uh, butt stocks, the CA butt stocks. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, uh, but I enjoyed those as well. On the M4. the magazines and, and, the, magazines. and the magazines, right? The magazines too. Uh, we were talking about that on Tag Daddy Show last night about the magazines. Uh, so you guys make sure you check out Tag Daddy Show. Where can they get that Tag Daddy real quick? Uh, GunNewsWeekly.com or Kevin the Tag Daddy on YouTube. I just want to say uh, from from the very initial contact that I received for this event. Uh, all the way to the flight home 
uh, it was first rate. So Laura Burgess did a great job. Anna did a great job. Uh, Robert, uh, Dan, your whole staff, Mikey, uh, really from, like I said, start to finish, this was flawless. I mean, it was well executed. Very well planned. I appreciate that. A lot of work went into it, and we uh, it was an extreme pleasure for us and honor to to work with you guys. It was like, you know, you guys have become family, so next time we see each other, it's brothers already, so we're not friends anymore. We're, we're family. Super. And a big thanks to all the sponsors of Talking Lead. These guys have been with us all year, so you guys be sure you go and visit Nordic Components at nordiccomp.com. They have some of the most awesome AR-15s that are out. Uh, they just hit the market earlier this year, so they've not been around long. If you've not heard about them, make sure you go to their website, check them out, nordiccomp.com. You can go to your local dealer, and if they're not carrying them there, you can ask them to get with RSR distributors, and they can make sure that they get those in your Christmas stockings. Frontier Tactical, check them out at frontiertactical.com. They're the makers of the Warlock system. As the adapter that you can put on your AR-15, switch out your barrel nut area there and put their adapter on and you can shoot up to, oh good lord, uh, pretty much any caliber that uh, you can run through an AR-15, uh, you'll be able to do through there. FrontierTactical.com, check them out and all their other awesome products that they have. Cobalt Kinetics, check them out at CobaltKinetics.com and uh, make sure you support their uh, shooting team, our good buddy Nick Atkinson, Kalani Laker. Keith Garcia and Rick Birdsall. Those guys uh, have been really tearing it up and uh, they've been using the uh, Cobalt Kinetics uh, competition rifle there. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. It's very innovative. There's a lot of a lot of different functionalities that you're going to find on the rifle that you won't find on any others. CobaltKinetics.com X-Steel Targets X-Steel Targets The best AR-500 steel targets on the market. Check them out at xsteeltargets.com Modern Spartan Systems for your gun cleaning, gun lube uh, they've got products for your automotive products for um, major manufacturers and their big machines check them out at modernspartansystems.com 1776 United 1776united.com that's where you can go and get the awesome talking lead swag we've got the t-shirts, they're working on some patches and some hats that hopefully we're going to have by the first of the year so you guys can go there and check that out. Glock, the official carry of me. That's right, left hand, talking lead. I carry the Glock 23 and the Glock 27. Check them out at uh, GlockUSA.com or I think it's USGlock.com. Dipstick Hydrographics for all your hydrographic needs. Check them out at Dip123.com. Multicam, MulticamPattern.com. The sponsors of the Lead Sled. We have the awesome black multicam rocking on the lead sled. So make sure you guys check out uh, all the other awesome products. You pretty much can get multicam anywhere nowadays. I just picked up an awesome pair of palladium boots in uh, the arid multicam pattern. So uh, make sure you uh, go and support those guys as well. Keltec, KeltecWeapons.com. They've got the awesome uh, RDBs, RFBs, the Sub-2000s. And, of course, the uh, little bullpup 12-gauge shotgun, the KSG. And then some of the other companies that have uh, been a big part of our show this year, uh, Palmetto State Armory, Tactical Walls, Atlas Defense, CAA, 
uh, and Hartman Optics. Uh, those guys are awesome. Uh, you just heard everything about uh, what we did with them, so check them out. CAAgearup.com, HartmanOptics.com for the MH1. Devil Dog Concepts, they've got that awesome side charging handle system. Check it out. Cantu Bruner uh, for some of the best pins that are on the market, better than Montblanc's, in my opinion. CantuBrunerDesigns.com, uh, Apex Tactical, and uh, many others. So, you guys, please go and support the people that are supporting us. Uh, let them know how much you appreciate it. And we will continue on for another new year. So we will see you guys on the new year. And don't forget to go to mission22.com and Sheepdog Impact Assistance, sheepdogia.org, and support those guys. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, Leadheads. All right, Leadheads, that's the end of another Talking Lead episode and uh, one of our longest so as always, especially this Christmas, keep your loved ones close. And your firearms close. Your firearms close. Firearm close. Firearm close. That's perfect. It's a, it's a big menagerie. <laughs> no, no. You're writers. We're writers. What do we know? Hello uh, in the middle. We should have done the seven four three. Seven, four, two, one, fire. Thing. Yeah, who said three there? Three, oh. can't say three, my friend. Can't say three. <laughs> Mikey, count down, and then, and then everybody say, and your firearms closer. Mikey, count down. Seven, four, two, one, fire. And your firearms and your closer. closer. Uh, Y'all suck. <laughs> I hope to see you guys at Shot Show, guys. All right. We will see you there, Mikey. Appreciate everybody being Thank on. You. Good show. Take it easy. Bye thanks guys. again, uh, Marty. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, guys. Marty, thanks a lot. Buddy. Marty, thanks a lot. You're the best. All right, see you later, Marty. All right, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, bye-bye. I don't know how to end this thing. I think this button does.